0: If eyes are the window to the soul, a website is the window to your business. It tells your story, communicates your vision and sells your products. It is often the first contact that you have with your customers. So getting it right is critical. On today's show, we chat with Peter Andrus at WineWorks on what makes a good winery website design and development. Emma and I have a discussion with Taylor Eason of Cork and Fork Digital Media, and Juliana Kudemeyer of Conspire about website metrics and how to manage the effectiveness of digital programs. And our tip of the week is about tech tools you can use to gather customer data and make your website work for you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Michael Bickler, and it's time to hit the bottle.
1: Welcome to Hit The Bottle podcast, a practical guide to beverage marketing through the lens of strategy, technology, and leadership. From exploring the buyer journey, to leveraging modern public relations, to how marketing automation is changing the way we engage with customers. Hit The Bottle goes above and beyond the ordinary to ask and answer the right questions. Each week we chat with industry experts, explore practical applications, and discuss the newest trends all to provide you with the insights and strategies you need to create successful marketing programs. It's time to hit the bottle.
0: With over 25 years of website development experience, my next guest is an authority on design and user experience. He is the owner and founder of WineWorks, a website strategy design and development firm specializing in the wine industry. WineWorks offers different tiers of services, all with the goal of building e-commerce solutions that help wineries achieve more from their websites. As an expert in e-commerce platforms, he guides and helps clients navigate through the business and technical decisions relevant to their website projects. I'm glad to have him on the show and excited to chat about this topic. Welcome, Peter Andres. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm super glad that you're here. Uh, this is a topic that is near and dear to me and I, I look forward to this conversation. So, But before we get into it, can you please share with the listeners how they might get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, you bet. The best way to get a hold of us is through our email, info at We also have a website where you can leave a message at wineworks.co And we're also out there on the Instagram sometimes, and that's just WineWorks Co. So yeah, a couple key ways there. We have a phone number, but you can find that on our website if you really want to pick up the phone. (laughs) Great.
0: So uh, first question for you is, uh, so why is it important for a beverage producer to invest in their website? Pretty simple question.
2: Yeah, you'd think so. Um, You know, wineries especially invest huge amounts of energy and capital in all the things up to the website so you know you think about the money and grapes and property and the facilities never mind the untold hours and partnerships and winemaking distribution and then the investments in the tasting room and the sales channels all of that is just so much work and then you know at the end of the day when everybody's gone home from the tastings the website is there and so I think it's really important that you, you invest well in your website because it's, it ends up being the highest touch point for your customers after they leave. So the website is the one place where wineries can maintain that emotional connection with their customers over time, especially those that come from further away and aren't just neighbors. And it's so important that the website accurately represents who the winery is online. Well, not only that, you know, not only uh,
0: if they have after they've left the tasting room, but before they get there too, mm, because most yeah. people are going to do the research before they actually come. Um, assuming that, that's, that, that that they're even actually planning a visit, you know, the website's also important if they're not coming to the property, right?
2: Yeah, definitely. And all that investment that's been put into everything up into the, you know, up into the facilities and into the winemaking, all that, if it's represented by a website that feels like it doesn't care, then it's like all that in previous investment isn't worth it.
0: Right, in, in many cases, it's your first contact with a lot of customers. If if they, you know, the first contact may be like on a store shelf or in a restaurant, but, you know, your website is going to be a first or second contact with your potential customers and you want to make that right impression. You want to be able to communicate to them in a very simple manner
2: what it is that you're all about. Yeah, definitely.
0: So, you know, so what are some basic principles that all wine websites should follow?
2: Yeah, you know, we always like to start the conversation with what are the key goals of the website and what are the key calls to action that you want your customers to do when they come to the website? Um, So I would say that the basic principle that all all winery websites should follow is have a clear objective and there might be a couple of those things um, like visitation booking an experience buying wine um, but a website really needs to have a clear navigation clear calls to action and don't compromise functionality for creativity so everything that you do there that's creative should have a reason it shouldn't just be Designy for the sake of being designy. Can can um, you give me an example of that? Um, well, I think that there's technologies out there that have fallen by the wayside, like Flash, where animation was overused. Um, that's probably an easy one to pick on without calling anybody out specifically. You know, you don't. Parallax is another um, thing, another tool that creatives have used to add interest to websites. You don't just want to overdo that. You want to use it selectively and in good taste
0: got it so function over form
2: yeah i would say i would say that the design should the design is more than just how a website looks it's how it also works
0: right so so give me give me a couple of common goals that somebody might have for a website design
2: yeah so uh, a couple in the wine industry there's there are pretty common ones um and how they're weighted really depends on the winery itself but i would say that to sell wine online is generally the number one goal then um establishing tools for wine club members or allowing one wine club sign up would be another one uh getting experience information for visit when you're visiting when customers are coming to visit they'll want to know about what experiences they can expect when they come and making a reservation and then the last one would last one that's probably in the top four is about booking winery for private events, that kind of thing, or finding out about events the winery is hosting. Great. And every function has a slightly different way of, of delivery. Yeah, exactly. And the weight of those is going to really depend on the goals and outcomes that your, each winery has. So what are some of the
0: challenges that producers experience when they're updating or launching a new website?
2: yeah i I think that finding somebody who's a good partner is a pretty big challenge out there there's a lot of website companies that are hard to work with and at wineworks we really try to service our customers really well Um, being responsive especially with website work is important Um, you don't want to wait three weeks for your website company to get back to you with a schedule and a budget for a simple update Um, you, you really want your team to be your team I would say that producers need to understand that, you know, also budgeting is important. You don't want to go into a project um, thinking that it's going to be a couple hundred dollars when it's going to be a lot more work. So being informed is and getting the right the right advice is important.
0: Okay. So um, all right. So besides <laughs> the right the right advice, yeah, that, that you might get, or working with the right partner. You know what are some other challenges that uh, that a winery might run into? Like what are, like in, in your day to day, like where are some areas where you say, uh oh, you know, when you're developing a website?
2: Yeah, sure. So I think that the biggest challenges when people are working on websites right now generally center around content and photography. You know, those are big unknowns or things that are pretty challenging to coordinate, especially if that hasn't if you don't have a head start on it. So getting and also the time of year, right? You can't just take photos in the middle of winter and expect to have a great result all the time. so <laughs> that's a good one i I would say that when you're trying to tell a good story or you're trying to represent your product in your winery well on the web, making sure you have a have good content and good images is can be challenging for smaller wineries, especially who haven't started investing in those kinds of things. Yeah, so I, you know, I think this will come up a little bit later, but I do feel that if we start kicking off a project like a website, we wanna, we may wanna have shots shot specifically for the website. Quite often, though, wineries, bigger wineries, will quite often have a library of photography that we can draw on, and so in those cases, that works really well. But it, it doesn't always meet every need and things change in the winery all the time. So experiences change, they might add a new tour. And so you wanna make sure that the photography is being done to keep up with the experiences and the facility that they're promoting. So I if, if, if I was running a winery, I would recommend that photography would be in the budget for two or three photo shoots a year, maybe a day here, a day there, just to keep up with everything and build up that library of, of photos. What are producers not doing that they should be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think this plays into the the imagery again. It's shocking how many bad bottle shots are out there on people's websites. Hmm. I I would say beyond the things that are coming up like ADA um, and responsiveness that people have had to tackle over the years, getting some of the basic things like having a great bottle shot seemed to be really challenging. I I would say that the one thing that a lot of producers that we work with that are smaller is they have really bad bottle shots and that should not be the case ever. Like how can you sell a premium product with bad photography? <laughs> because um, they've taken it with their iPhone in their back room. Yeah, I know. I, I don't really try to share my homemade wine with my friends <laughs> Just like I wouldn't try to share my photography with my friends. Good, um, good call. The other thing that, uh, that I think producers aren't doing that they probably should is compromising on their website. So, you know, one of the biggest challenges we have is talking about um, custom design versus a template. And we find that a lot of wineries are trying to tell um, or trying to get away with doing a template when really they should be investing in a custom a custom website
0: so okay I, t- I totally understand the point um, regarding uh, customization versus template because you know templates break uh, but for, frankly so do so do custom designs as well mm-hmm. uh, and so it's actually I'm sure that it's a frustration for some producers out there when they spend all this money on a website and you know it launches, And then the developer disappears and uh, and or like they want to be paid a lot more money to fix the problem that that they created in the first place. So Mm -hmm. what is your recommendation in, in situations like that?
2: Yeah, definitely. So a couple key points there. One is finding the right partner again is super important. You do want to work with somebody when you're building a custom site that is going to own their part of their project and take responsibility for it. So, um, you know, if you have a company like Wineworks building a custom website, we will make sure that any mistakes that come up or any errors or anything that breaks is fixed. We don't charge extra for that. We think that's part of the project. Um, and also, all websites, whether custom or template, should be able to be updated through the CMS. So, whether you're using something like WineDirect, whether you're using something like um, WordPress, those, you know, every piece of information on the website should be updatable and a well-built website will, will should last, you know, four to five years, maybe six years without that kind of thing being a problem. And having a long-term relationship with your web developer is also key, right? You don't wanna get into uh, a relationship with somebody who's gonna disappear as soon as the project's over. And it's hard, you know, keeping your website updated and maintained is a lot of work, and you want to make sure that support is there long term. The I, and to kind of just compare and contrast templates and custom design. The a template works if you're in a pinch. So if you need to get something up quickly, it's totally fine to use a template. It's you know, the problem with a template is there's lots of other people using that exact same template. So if you're if you have a strong brand and you want to tell a strong band story and build on that and provide unique experiences visually and emotionally for your customers a template's going to be almost impossible to do that in you can get away with it maybe for a little while but you know a template isn't isn't designed and produced with with a winery's with each winery's unique um voice or visual language into taking that into consideration at all in that case to set expectations like how long
0: should a client expect anybody who's built you know whether either either they're updating a website or they're building a new website what's the expectation for how long that process should take
2: yeah so if you're so say you're launching a brand new winery and you need and you know your wine's going to be coming up for release and you have two or three months and you you kind of have scraped together some photography and you just want to get something up to make sure that when your wine's ready to go you have a marketplace online a template would be a, a perfect example where, or a perfect solution in that case where you can get something up it does the functionally it could do the job for you um, in the short term and away you go so you know two month process on a template that's not heavily customized as I think a reasonable time frame if you want to do a custom project we generally are looking at four to six months Um, you know you start every website design firm does this a little differently Uh, we feel like we have a great process so we start with strategy and identify the structure of the site in a site map And then we move on to um, low fidelity design, which we call wireframes, where we lay out all the key components of the site. And then once those are approved, we go into the design phase where, you know, we're applying photography, fonts, branding guidelines, all that stuff. And then, the final phase there is the development. So, you know, there's a lot of steps, a lot of milestones and approvals. And we find that generally is that four to six month mark, especially if the teams that the winery has are quite big and there's multiple levels of approval.
0: Okay, so four to six months, good rule of thumb. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, along with those lines is, you know, I mean, how much should a producer expect to spend invest in a website i you know i said spend but let's face it this is an investment so how much should they plan to invest in this marketing this key marketing program
2: yeah i mean we would say that in a website you should spend about 10 percent of what you're expecting to get from the website so if you expect to drive you know half a million dollars in sales then you should probably expect to spend about fifty thousand dollars on your website
0: and what if they're not expecting to sell anything online? Cause I mean, there's like a lot of small producers out there that are producing, they're, you know, they're not gonna sell very much. And it's yeah, right. really more of a, you know, a, a, an entry point um, and a branding exercise for them. So what's so what's the case situation? Yeah,
2: Yeah, so there are gonna be times when e-commerce isn't the primary goal. So highly allocated, although even highly allocated wine, you're still doing business through your website. I would say that at a bare minimum, we're looking at between twelve and fifteen thousand for a website that's custom designed.
0: And okay, so that's uh, and I will say that that is really just in terms of design and development, and that does not include content.
2: Yeah, right? I would agree. It Doesn't include photography or writing.
0: Right. So, um, so all in, you know, I'm going to say that you're going to be spending a minimum of twenty thousand dollars on a good website, and and it goes up from there. Yeah, Uh, just because, you know, whether it's you're writing, you're writing the content in-house or you're farming it out or you're taking the photography in-house, which I don't recommend, there's a lot of great photographers out there that don't cost that much. Um, You know, that's going to, that's going to add to the, add to the cost and video. If you're throwing video in there, that's going to add, add significantly to the cost as well. But again, you know, you have to look at it in terms of a marketing investment. This is one of your, your key marketing programs. But that said, okay, once you've invested in that, your time, your money, you know, the and getting that thing up and running, how should wineries, you know, a lot of times the, light, the wineries just basically kind of fire and forget it. It's like a cruise missile, right?
2: Mm. Uh, so how should wineries be using the website after it's built? Yeah, de- I mean, definitely. The website is a tool that you need to keep fresh, right? The you want to use the website to keep driving mailing list, um, you know, subscribers remind club members why it's great to be a club member, let customers see that you have a vibrant fan base. You know, there's a a lot you can do on your website to not only stay connected with customers, i.e. photography and maybe event photos, or, um, sending out newsletters, that kind of thing. I would, You definitely want to consider updating your website maybe three or four times a year, um, and then also using tools that are more uh, frequent, like newsletters, promotional, whether they're promotional or informational, um, club updates, and possibly anything that is happening on social media.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and um, I I I completely agree. I in not only in terms of making sure that you're leveraging the website in, tr- in terms of driving brand, driving sales, but also in terms of making sure that you're, you're appearing in searches, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. the, the more dynamic your content is, the more dynamic your website is, um, the higher you're going to rank in search engines like Google.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to go back to the investment point you just made previously, you know, investing in photography and video and, and writing those are things that do end up on the website but they also have way more use than just the website because you if you're investing online you're also investing in facebook instagram and those all those assets all those all that digital media can be used there as well so the reuse factor on that is pretty high yeah, fair point.
0: Yeah. Um, you can reuse all that content in other areas, um, especially in social. Mm-hmm. So uh, so give me some examples of who's doing this right. Who's, yeah. who's, who's like a great website?
2: Yeah. So I think there are just kind of two or three that I want to highlight for different reasons. Um, I think when we talk to customers, they new customers in the wine industry they always kind of bring up similar wineries um all the time and I think that one that's kind of set the bar out there is Duckhorn they have really great photography they seem to have the right mix of branding versus e-commerce for them um and you know they're heavy they have a, a heavy weight on doing business online so i think that they're a really good example of what it looks like to do wine business online Um, another one from a slightly different angle is opus one and although their focus isn't heavily on um, e-commerce they do focus on branding Uh, so there when you come to their website you don't get calls to action to purchase right up front you're kind of getting um, a more of a branding message, the essence of Opus One, and that kind of thing. So I think that those two websites, although have a different focus, are execute quite well. So the third one out there that I uh, that I wanted to highlight, which I think is doing an amazing job, that's kind of they they do have a great design, but they have a really strong connection with their customers. That's kind of not out in the open is Jordan Winery they have an amazing loyalty program and every time you buy something you get points and then you can redeem those points for events and and uh merchandise so i feel like they have a really strong customer loyalty program that's worth calling out Hmm. all great
0: examples all three Hmm. so uh any any final tips that you'd like to share with uh, folks when it comes to design considerations for websites
2: Um, Yeah, I think I, you know, one of the things that I jotted down here was that it's a great idea to schedule photography over the year, like I said before. Mm -hmm. Just try and get it in two or three times, two or three days a year, maybe during a key event. Um, When you take photography, don't just take shots of staged bottles. You know, you want to have people drinking the wine, enjoying the wine. That makes a big difference. Um, And the other thing that I often tell people is that you want to use social media to drive traffic to your website. Don't use your website to drive traffic to social media. Um, hmm, you, definitely, you definitely want to own your own content. And the rules change a lot out there in the social media land. And you don't want to get caught with all your eggs in one basket. Oh, fair point.
0: Yeah. Uh, good job. So um, finally, why don't you tell me a little bit about WineWorks and what you guys do?
2: yeah you bet so you gave us a great intro at the beginning um we are a a, you know we're a website strategy design and development firm that specializes in the wine industry and we offer different tiers of service all with the goal of building an e-commerce solution that helps wineries achieve more from their website more sales more visitations and more club signups and we think of ourselves at the highest level as brand stewards of the winery's online presence just making sure that the website accurately represents who they are and what they do. Um, in addition to that, we have a really long history in the wine e-commerce industry. I was one of the, you know, first members at VIN 65 with Andrew and Jason, and we um, started wine, uh, VIN 65, which eventually became Wine Direct. And now we, and we still have a really strong relationship with Wine Direct, but we also work really closely with Commerce 7, which is Andrew and Jason's new venture, as well as seller uh, and AMS.
0: Yeah, we had Andrew on, on our second episode. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Commerce 7, great stuff. Uh, any uh,
2: Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I don't think so, but thanks very much for having us on. We really enjoyed it.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. Really appreciate yeah. you being on, and yeah. um, and uh, if you have a chance, check out uh, WineWorks for your next uh, website project. She was on the first episode of this podcast and made a great impression. She's the founder of digital marketing agency, Cork and Fork Digital Media, where she helps food and drink businesses achieve their full sales potential in the internet world. Her company specializes in digital advertising, search engine optimization, email marketing, and organic social media strategy. Welcome back, Taylor Eason.
3: Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me back.
0: Great to have you back. So she was on episode nine, where she shared some thoughts on brand building. She's back this week with some insights on website analytics. She's the director of marketing at Conspire, a branding and marketing agency based in Columbus, Ohio. She works with clients to define their brand and experiences they provide through the consumer and employee journey to encourage brand loyalty. Welcome back, Juliana Kudemeyer.
4: Hey, it's great to be back. Thanks.
0: So she's my Mai Chong. Macaroni to my cheese, VP of Client Relations at Balls Eye Communications and Marketing, it's Emma Criswell. Hello. So thanks, for, thanks all for being on the show today. Today we are talking a little bit about website metrics. So uh, first of all, what, is, what does website metrics all mean? Taylor, why don't you kick us off with some thoughts on, on website metrics and, and how we should be using them?
3: Well, we all know that having a website is crucial to gaining new customers and it's kind of your business card online and and at this point, it's pretty much your business card because everyone is online mm-hmm. um and but what is kind of disheartening in the beverage business is that too few people actually pay attention to what is happening on it uh They might look at uh well how many people are actually buying, but there's so many there's so much insight you can gain from your customers. And from using, I'm just talking specifically about Google Analytics. I mean, there are many, many, many other tools that can be super helpful, even your CRM like Shopify or Lucky Orange, which tracks visitors in real time. But Google Analytics is kind of the, the free awesomeness that um, beverage companies have access to these days. And it's, it's essentially a treasure trove of information um, that your current customers and your potential customers are giving you for free. So, all you have to do is look at it. And um, I mean, i it's easy to install. I, I'm assuming that most people on this podcast already have Google Analytics, but uh, what I would encourage them to do as is look at uh, more of the reporting, and hopefully, we'll be able to talk about some of those reports today.
0: So, what are <clears throat> so you mentioned you know uh, some of the insights that you get from that. So, can you give me a concrete example of of something that you might get from? Google Analytics that you could use uh, to make a business decision?
3: Sure. A um, couple things. So if you're a new brand uh, or if you've gone, say, through a brand overhaul or revamped your website, which a lot of people are doing now with all the ADA compliance things, um, general metrics like unique page views and new users help you determine if your efforts have done any, any good. Uh, basically, I use year-over-year metrics rather than month-over-month um it helps for a basic overview of your brand growth and in addition to that uh I'm a, I'm a bit of a demographics and a psychographics nerd so uh what you can do is you can check out what are your what are your visitors like um i mean it, this kind of information allows you to tailor campaigns um where is the ge- geographic data uh and the geographic data can assist you in determining where you might best spend your marketing dollars. If a lot of your people on your website are coming in from Colorado, maybe you should do some in-market visits or um, more wholesale efforts um, in in that particular market to to really concentrate uh, your dollars. And then uh, there's, oh gosh, how many people are using your website for mobile? from using mobile. And, uh, if, if a lot of people are using mobile, then you need to make sure your mobile experience is really on point. Uh, it's like for instance, if you have, if you have a, a winery, uh, how easy is it to learn about your tasting experiences and then also make a reservation all the way through. And then if you're selling products online, you need to make sure that process is extremely easy. Uh, 25 to 30% of my clients e-commerce sales are now happening on mobile. So if that process isn't super easy, then uh, then you need to change some things up. So those are two or three of the, the the applicable metrics that I would use. I mean, I could go on and on and on <laughs> about. Um, let's uh, let's hear from uh, Juliana. Exactly.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get into Google Analytics a lot to see where our pitfall pitfalls are. Um, so, if people are coming into mobile, are they actually getting the experience that they in need and what they're trying to fulfill in that moment? Um, if you're seeing a huge drop off on a certain page from mobile, um, going and experiencing that yourself and figuring out what needs to be critiqued um, and trying to get into the psychoanalytics of like, what are they trying to accomplish on this page? And how can we make it easier for them to do that? Um, that's a lot of the stuff that I look at trying to make things a bit a bit easier. Um, I agree, Google Analytics can get super, super granular. Um, I used to work for an app company and I could go into an individual user and see play-by-play every screen and every game and all the time they've spent on a specific screen. Um, you can do that in a website too. Um, so it can be dangerous, you can easily get lost. Uh, But if you know what you're trying to do, um, it's a very valuable tool. Yeah, so
0: to your point, Google Analytics is a very powerful tool, um, but it's not necessarily user-friendly, right? Their their user experience um, is not intended for a general user as much as it is for somebody who is an analytics nerd, as you say, Taylor. So um, so are there any other tools out there that you guys have used that perhaps um, can give some insights but maybe you don't necessarily need to have um, all the knowledge uh, required to set up something with Google Analytics that's, uh, that's so powerful?
3: I, I do, I use one of those. Um, I mentioned it earlier, it's called Lucky Orange. It costs around 10 bucks a month, which is super affordable, of course. But what it does is it does take Google Analytics data and distills it by user session. So uh, what Juliana mentioned, she can watch one person who was downloaded the app and played the game, and she could see it all the way through. Lucky Orange does that as well. But it, what it does is it gives you kind of the overview and prevents you from having to go down a rabbit hole I mean, you can, but it. Uh, I like it because it does have a a general dashboard that is super easy to see and to use and to manipulate. So that's that's one tool I would recommend. Lucky Orange is the name of it.
4: Yeah, Google uh, Data Studio is also really good, and they have pre-populated um, templates where it already has the parameters plugged in, and you just essentially put in your URL and it pulls in all the um all the data and it makes it visual for you so they have marketing templates they have conversion templates it just depends on what you want to know they have those for purchase or for free Um, and it makes things in a really nice clean simple report for you very cool
5: what if you're someone like me who isn't super into the back end of things and hasn't worked with websites or metrics all that much, but would need to at some point in the future, perhaps, you know, What? where would you say I should start? Like, What would be something that I should take a look at and make sure I understand before I get into doing my
4: own measuring? Well, what, what yeah. do you want to do? <laughs> It's you got to You got to figure out what your goal is first. And then you (laughs) kind of set set the goal first. Um, So if it's raising awareness, um, then you go and you look at your your unique users before you did your awareness campaign and then after and see if there was a bump. Um, If it's you want to increase sales, then looking at your conversion before and after. So it just depends on what that initial goal is.
3: Yeah, I would completely agree with that. Uh, I would add in like search engine optimization. If you don't have any SEO on your site, and you hire someone to do SEO, you just do a comparison between all of those. And there's there's something called a an acquisition report on Google Analytics, which is where I spend a lot of my time because I get down to the granular level for clients. They they hire me to do that, uh, so they don't have to. It's uh it's it's a very symbiotic relationship, (laughs) they're like, you, Emma, they're like, no, I do not want to look at any of this. (laughs)
5: Like Mike, take it all. I don't want to deal with
3: (laughs) it. What's working and what's not. And that's what the acquisition report does. So you can, uh, you can track any Facebook campaigns you have, Instagram campaigns uh, where most of your customers coming from uh, before and after any campaign, um, and then, uh, as I said, SEO, so you can do a year over year comparison. So last November I had X amount of people visit my site and X percentage of those people were new users. And then you can, you can get a, a sense of what that SEO investment did for you. And acquisition is really the, um, that's where the, my rubber hits the road on a general basis.
0: Got it. So that's, that's a great way of actually measuring, uh, programs that you've put into place. So what about, what about using metrics, metric interpretation to actually put that program in place? Like, you know, where do we, you know, taking, taking some metrics that we've garnered from, uh, from the website and saying, okay, based on these metrics, I think we should do X activity. Like how, you know, how do you make that connection? Yeah.
3: um uh, let's hear um uh, here's one example um this is for a winery client and they couldn't quite understand why their emails weren't converting uh especially for people that didn't have an initial sale so they took their CRM and i just looked at their their email campaigns and then i looked at the traffic from those campaigns and where it dropped off there's a um there's a report called the behavior flow and that allows you to know if something like dropped off drastically. So it dropped off in the shipping area and that's when they realized, Oh, wait a minute. We need to start subsidizing the shipping because the shipping is just too expensive for this new audience that they were trying to reach. And so they were able to make a pretty, drastic change to their shipping prices using marketing dollars to subsidize it. And then they were able to sell more wine. Uh, because that is one of the biggest impediments on a, a direct consumer basis in the wine business online is the shipping costs. So um, that that's one particular thing where analytics actually did help and they were able to uh, make a switch pretty quickly um, to to make that decision and,
0: and generate more sales. Wow. That's, that's kind of amazing, actually. <laughs> well, well, thank
3: you.
4: Uh, <laughs> Juliana, do you have any, uh, similar,
0: uh, types of, uh, experiences?
4: Uh, I am trying to think of one, but I am drawing a blank. I know there's probably been a bajillion of okay. them in my time. So,
3: so, I mean, I, I have another one if, if you want me to share, sure. Um, uh, so geographic information, um, I talked a little bit about Colorado, but one of my, uh, clients, uh, has what well, we found out, we kind of sort of knew it from a wholesale basis, but we discovered that Missouri was this giant fan base, uh, for this particular brand. And they were able to start, uh, creating more programs in the wholesale sector. Uh, as well as the direct consumer sector just by that geographic analysis and started growing the market even more. I don't know the percentage, mm-hmm. but uh, just looking at these tiny little things, you, you think anecdotally you know your customer. Um, and where wineries in specific make uh, a big mistake is assuming that their customer is the person who walks in the tasting room and that's who their, generati- their generic person is. And I've done a lot of customer personas for wineries over the years. And generally it's not the case. Like there's a whole other country of people who may have never even stepped into your winery or discovered you at, say you had something, a wine at Costco or I don't know, Trader Joe's or something. And they started becoming your fan. Um, And those are people that are coming to your site too. So that's... Just all of this, like I'm a nerd, I, I admit it. But this this information is uh, can be super helpful in in every area
5: of the business.
4: Yeah, you can. It's a great place to look to pull for personas because mm-hmm. it started, They're giving you demographics now so yeah. it's Google.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do we convince the C suite that this is important? Oh.
4: How did they get to the C-suite if they didn't know that this yeah. was important? <laughs>
5: Absolutely. Good call. <laughs> Good call. Well, oh. that, that's another <laughs> podcast We're <talking> discussion.
0: about <laughs> beverage businesses, and beverage businesses are
5: often
0: started <laughs> by people who don't necessarily have that management background or the marketing background. So there are quite a few people who are running wineries out there uh, that don't necessarily understand any of this stuff. So, you know, for those folks that are coming from a farming background um, or a production background, you know, how do we how do we talk to them about about this and say, "Hey, you know, this is this is what you need to consider when you're doing building your marketing programs."
4: Well, if they're spending money on marketing, it's a definitely Talk about ROI. Like it's easier to track those digital footprints through your digital analytics, and actually, you can actually track conversions and click through rates and um, cost per click and all that stuff. Like you want to make sure your money is being spent well, and you're actually seeing a return on that in- initial investment. So that those web analytics can help you do that.
0: Okay, that's a good reason.
3: And that that's. <coughs> That's where i rover hits the road for me is it's all about ROI. It's any of these metrics allow you to analyze any ad spend you're having. I mean, did you, if you run a digital ad campaign on a national website, um, the acquisition report, my favorite uh, is where you find information about how many people came to your site from that ad. Where did they go when they got there? How much did they explore? How interested was this audience? So my advice to people who really need to convince the, the higher-ups that, you know, I mean, this doesn't cost a lot of money, this Google Analytics. It's really more time or, yeah, but from it's, an it's, internal well, time, standpoint. Time is
0: money. You know, right. I mean, you know, they, you know, they the fact is, is that somebody with skills like you, Taylor, or like you, Jul- Juliana, or like us, is they're, you know, our time comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the question is, is, you know, how, uh, what, at what point does it make sense for that cause? That what is that return?
3: Well, I mean, it comes down to. Well, that's a really hard question to answer. Um, um, I I think from a higher up standpoint, the ROI is really your biggest. Um, I mean, are you talking about hiring someone to do the metrics for you,
0: like well, outsourcing it? Mean, you know, I mean, as 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 a as a CEO or C suite, you're not going to be doing that yourself, so do you hire somebody in-house, do you, do you uh, hire an agency like us? Well,
3: I mean, uh, that's always that's a possibility, however, um, Google Analytics has a, a Google Academy where you can teach yourself.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: There are numerous um, online uh, platforms that will teach you how to use Google Analytics or uh, like Juliana said, uh, Google Data Studio could be super easy and it's it's super easy to implement and you can create dashboards within Google Analytics, Um, pay someone Mm -hmm. an hour to do that for you and and then have it forever. Uh,
0: Okay.
4: Yep. Uh, Google Data Studio also spits out um, reports. Uh, It can send a, a nice looking report to your email however frequent you need it to.
0: Um, okay, before we wrap up here, any um, additional thoughts or uh, things you want to share?
3: Well, my, my, um, my thoughts are that y- you should really start looking at it and start playing with it. That's how I got started with Google Analytics probably 10 years ago. And just started looking at, I mean, it is a completely different language. I, complete, I agree with you, Mike, that it's not user friendly in any way, shape or form but the more you kind of play with it, um, it helps. Um, one other thing I wanted to throw in there was a goal reporting. Um, that's super helpful. Uh, my On my website, I have a, a blog post that outlines how to even set up goals. So corkandforkdigitalmedia.com and then go to insights and then it'll just walk you through how to set up a goal report for conversion,
4: Within Google Correct. Analytics, yeah, um,
3: mm-hmm. from email sign up to a video view purchases, that's um, that's that goes to the ROI part. Um, you will need, mm-hmm. you need to convince the C suite that that is the the end all be all.
4: Yeah, and I I'll, I'd like to add that if you spend money on an outside consultant or agency, they need to be able to tell you how they're going to measure ROI. So if you don't wanna learn Google Analytics and all these other data type things, the people who you're paying to do that for you need to know their stuff. So make sure you ask them, what numbers are you gonna give me after this is done? That's great,
3: great idea, great, great advice.
0: Yep, thank you much. Okay, guys, we're gonna wrap up. Thanks so much for being on the show, Taylor and Juliana. I really appreciate it. Emma, of course, you as always. Lovely to have you uh, on the show.
3: My pleasure.
5: (laughs) Hey guys, it's Emma here with your tip of the week. In today's show, we discuss the various aspects of websites, what's important, and how to analyze data points. When it comes to small businesses, tools are key any way to make more money for the company while saving time and being cost effective is worth a look we at balzac are big tech adopters and we love tools that make life easier in this episode's tip of the week i'm going to share some tools to help you gather the oh so important customer data a great first step in data gathering is converting visitors to your site into quality qualified leads wouldn't it be great if there was a tool you could use to generate these leads without requiring an increase in traffic? Well, with Lead Formly, you can create forms using more than 58 conversion-boosting best practices and turn your visitors into money makers. Another proven conversion tool is a chatbot. While Balzac doesn't use this company for our site's chatbot, we're excited to check out the differences. Intercom automates lead routing for conversion based on a pre-qualified set of rules and even filters filters to the correct department without you having to lift another finger. Once you begin gathering your leads and learning more about your customers, a a third tool we use and love are SharpSprings automated workflows. While you do have to set up the triggers initially, you can customize them to suit your business's needs and the folks at SharpSpring make it really easy for you to do so. After lead conversion begins, the automated workflow triggers all the necessary steps you input at the beginning, making sure no drop balls are dropped along the way. Now, go check out some tools and gain qualified leads. We'll be here if you have any questions.
1: This has been Hit the Bottle, a production of Balls at Communications and Marketing. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you like this podcast, please rate and review the show. Thank you for joining us. Until next week.